0: This is Brian Q. Miller, and you're listening to Across the Airwaves. Da, 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 da. Meanwhile, at the DC Nation, we are tonight's <laughs> entertainment. <laughs> you're overwhelmed, freezing, the sharks, rain, blood, spray. None of the Robins ever complained. Titans go, Booster. You're going to melt just like a cheese sandwich, and show. you. Just how powerful I really am. I love it. Always always small because I know we just escape my sight, Let those who worship might be where my power green lantern lights. But
1: let the universe howl in despair for I have returned.
0: We have no more use for this one.
1: Kill him. Hi everyone. God welcome to Across the Airways, DC Nation Podcast. The only place so far on the internet to fight podcast reviews, got all the imaginative content DC Comics provides for its fans. Including comic books? Brian Q. Miller's Smallville Season Eleven. Beware the Batman. Color DC television content. Got movies. Come, of course, Dan Schmidt, your host. Get with me as the most infamous member. Cover across the airways core. Gets tangent times. Very own. Michael J. Petty. Can Michael, can you tell everybody what exciting stuff we're covering in the big episode of
0: the DC Nation Podcast? Week sixty. Absolutely, Dan. On this week's episode of the DC Nation podcast, brought to you by Across the Areas Productions, we will be covering Justice League Trinity War, the Jeff Johns and Jeff Lemire written story arc in DC Comics that pits all three Justice Leagues against each other. Along with that, we'll be covering the first issue of the next arc right out of Trinity War, Forever Evil, issue one. But that's not all, folks, as Beware the Batman recently returned to your television screens yesterday morning, uh, Saturday, the 7th of September, for Beware the Batman Episode 7, Family, which we'll also be reviewing. And finally, we will end with Smallville Season 11, as we do every week, where we'll be covering Olympus Chapter 6, along with the Finale to Hollow Chapter 4. Yes. So since it's a big
1: milestone episode, number 60, we're going to talk about the biggest stuff going on in comics right now, which is Trinity War. So I'm very excited to discuss this. I think Michael is too. So let's just jump right into Jeff Lemire and Jeff Johns' epic event, Trinity
0: War. Teams are divided, friendships are lost, and loyalties are broken as the war breaks out between the Justice League, the Justice League of America, and the Justice League Dark due to Pandora and the secrets of the Trinity of Sin.
1: The first thing I got to say about this, Michael, starting off, you know, we praise Jeff Johns for his excellent writing. We've been praising Jeff Lemire as he's entered the scene and totally revitalized the Green Arrow comic in an amazing fashion. Yep. But there's one guy... That I think we need to give credit to here. Because, well, that's Ivan Reese. Yes. I mean, my God. The guy has done some of the biggest arcs in D.C. Over the past, what, would you say five years? Yeah. With the Green Lantern stuff, which was unbelievable. Canalys- Aquaman. Aquaman. Kanani's Trinity War stuff was unbelievable. Yes. Especially that fight in the desert. Between the Justice League and the Justice League of America. Absolutely. Um, I don't, What do you What do you got to say about it? Is there something that caught your eye with it?
0: Man, I just, <laughs> I I just really love that those first setup covers that we got at least for Trinity War which was yeah. I believe Justice League 22 Justice League of America I want to say 6 and then Justice League Dark 22 where it's just that big widespread when you put all the covers together and it's just that big thing with all the Justice Leagues Pandora Trinity of Sin they're all there. I loved that. I thought that was amazing. I thought that was I thought that was very cool and I uh, really enjoyed the second cover as well or the second set of covers as well. I do want to say I think his work on Aquaman is probably one of the best works he's ever done, especially with the other story arc. Oh, yes. I I think the same probably goes for his work on Green Lantern, especially during Blackest Night and Brightest Day. Yeah. But I think Trinity War, his run on Justice League, Throne of Atlantis, I think that all – I I do think that's up there. I think that's some of his best for sure. Well, one
1: of the most amazing images of this was – and I want to say it was in Justice League – where they had that two-panel um, spread of all the heroes duking it out.
0: Yeah, with Martian Manhunter and Superman. Yes. Yeah, that was the first issue, I think. Yes, that was unbelievable.
1: Yes. I mean, that was very memorable, and, and just that image of Martian Manhunter and Superman kind of duking it out was huge, especially since they're both kind of characters in the same position. Yes. And so that was very iconic there. I agree. So that was huge. And really, with that, I felt we were seeing a glimpse of that Martian Manhunter that we know from the post crisis continuity.
0: Yes, I did too.
1: It seems like now that Jeff Johns has got the wholesome of him again, it's coming, that character we love is coming back. I mean, we're not getting the Oreo cookies. That's unfortunate. Right. But, but we are getting that guy who seems to care about the Justice League. Yep. Like with Superman, he immediately, he didn't attack him to attack him. He went to attack him to see if something was wrong.
0: Yep. I mean, The that first thing cool.
1: he's like, I want to see, something's not right here. I need to see what's going on. And so I thought that was a big step forward for him. Yes. And also, I... did you read, um, well, of course you probably read it with the Justice League of America, but I thought the backstory that they had in Justice League of America with, it was Catwoman and um, Martian Manhunter kind of sharing a connection. Yes. A mental link. Oh, I thought that was a very good origin story for Martian Manhunter.
0: I yes, I agree. Yeah,
1: okay, I brought back that character too.
0: Yes. Absolutely.
1: And, and speaking of interesting characters, Michael, what do you make of Pandora?
0: I'm really confused with Pandora. Okay. I, I thought we were gonna get more answers with her, but I think we probably got more questions. Um I I have been reading her book Trinity of Sin, Pandora, because it does tie into Trinity War, so I did read that. Okay. And we did get some more backstory on why she opened the box, what happened afterwards, her history, and all that. But my question still remains: why it was kind of the box was kind of there all all back then in the first place? Yeah. And my question Trying also to get there. Get, right? My question also remains: what is her real motive here? Because I, I I think in this story they kind of said her, that her motive was. Yeah, I want to open. I want to destroy the box. It needs to be open so that evil can be put back in, and that's right. also and that's fine. But I felt there was something else going on.
1: Well, basically, she was like thirty uh, Scooby Doo and open the box. Can I get the thirteen ghosts back inside, right?
0: Yes, but instead it was seven. <laughs> right, exactly.
1: God, I mean, that's that's kind of what I saw her ultimate goal is. And honestly, I think she's a character that doesn't know what her goal is now. Because right. her plan backfired. Yeah. Cause I think that's what's gonna make her interesting, and she's a character that spent years on end trying to get these things back of the box. And that's really not what she should have been doing. Yeah. Um, so I I think that's explained her connection to the whole universe as itself and everything, that's a little complicated. Yeah. And I don't know if it's something, maybe it's something that the monitors had dumped on Earth. I mean, do they really still exist anymore?
0: I don't know if they do. Okay. I'm not so sure they do exist anymore. Okay. I mean, I would think they probably would because of all the parallel Earths, but I just don't know.
1: And that seems like that would be a future storyline. Yeah. Explaining how this got dumped here. And maybe that's something they figure out while trying to figure out what happened to the Justice League in, Trinity in Forever Evil. Yeah. Or it's something the Justice League finds out in Forever Evil, wherever they are. And I've got theories on that, but we'll get to that a little bit. Okay. But I think that... Pandora is going to be a character that's going to break out. She is very similar in how she was set up to the ways that the X-Men character, Rogue, is extremely popular. Yeah. Where, honestly, I mean, she's just this innocent girl that was curious, got open this box. And it basically ruined her life. Because now she's haunted by this decision. Forever it is trying to make up for it. And it's alienated her from the world of essentially that's what happened to Rogue. I mean, it wasn't as mystical um in a way, but you know, she was curious what it was like to kiss a boy. She kissed the boy, her powers activated. She couldn't touch anyone again. Cause she was alienated from the world. Because she was forever haunted by that. And yeah. people comic book fans, especially female fans, like ate that kind of stuff up. And I think that's what they're going for here with Pandora. Okay. Also, I like that she does exist or brings the world of magic, science, and myth together in the DC-verse. Because they spent so many years divided.
0: Right. Well, I think Wonder Woman, to an extent, does that, too.
1: Yeah. I'll go with that. But, again, it was always so long... Shazam's whole thing was separate from everybody else. Yeah. And this seemed to incorporate it in it more. And I'm able to follow it better than I was in the past.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah.
1: Like, I mean, are you interested in it now? I know before we were so against it, but after the, you know, Shazam origin story that was so well done. Yes. I... I'm curious about it. I'm intrigued by the character now. Yes. And his whole world.
0: Yes. I would agree with you.
1: Okay.
0: I would definitely agree with you.
1: And with that, I mean, I think we can go on to that a little bit more. I think this story was probably structured the best out of really any crossover event I've read. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if you guys don't get what I what I mean by that is like, if you read a crossover event, Marvel's Dark Reign is a very good example. There, there were a lot of books in that that group of stories or that crossover where it had nothing to do with it, and the only reason why you read the book was because it said Dark Rain on it, so you <laughs> thought there was something important in the book but there wasn't, or there was just one panel that had to do with it. And this one, every book has something to do with it. And if you opened up Justice League Dark, which, Michael, you know, we don't really read, we knew what was going on because they just treated it as part of the story, not something... Not a tie-in. Not a tie-in. Not something that you had to read all the backstories of Justice League Dark to read to get what was going on
0: no and in fact it really didn't even feel like I was reading Justice League Dark it really felt like I was reading JLA or just Justice League
1: or you're reading a a superhero story yeah it's kind of like how they did on the animated shows Justice League Unlimited is a good example where they would bring characters in and you didn't really need to know their whole backstory or what was going on with them at the time you just needed to know their powers yeah Yeah. Yeah. So, I liked that. Um, even, and really, even the... Did you read the Phantom Stranger book? or the Constantine?
0: I read Phantom Stranger because that had to do with Batman and his team going into uh, Heaven and Hell and all that. And Zarael appeared and stuff like that. That was yeah. cool. I did not read Constantine because, quite honestly, I don't like the Constantine character.
1: Well, the interesting thing about the Constantine thing was... It was more of a continuation of Shazam's story than it was a Constantine story. Okay. Which I thought was very smart because everyone had read Justice League and was following Shazam in that. So it was really easy to jump into Constantine because you had read Shazam.
0: Interesting.
1: So I really have to give Jeff Johns credit here not just from the storytelling, but for how he handled this business-wise of bringing in these characters. Like, I don't know if I would have picked up a Shazam book if he just came out by himself. But because he was backstory to Justice League, I wanted to read it. I wanted to learn about him because I thought it was important for the book. So that was the best way to introduce us to a character instead of forcing about us kind of like what they did with Blue Beetle.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Mm. I, I don't like being forced characters down my throat. Yeah. I mean, I did like Blue Beetle, ultimately, but I felt when they tried to do that during Infinite Crisis, and then right after for about a few years, and and then be, or him on Brave and the Bold, again, I, I ended up liking the character, but I felt they tried to promote him way too much, and I feel like in the '90s the same stuff happened with Gambit. I agree with that.
1: Gambit was a lot worse than Blue Beetle, though. I agree. God, Blue Beetle, I, he grows on you. That is a good thing about Blue Beetle. He does, he does right. grow on you. Come um, yep. I think Wilfred L helped that a lot by being the voice of Blue Beetle, combat member well, in the mold.
0: The way Jeff Johns wrote that arc on Smallville.
1: That's true, too. Smallville, I, I think Brave and the Bold helped. because I think Young Justice helped a lot as well. Yes. Um, but I, I, the one thing I do miss with the Blue Beetle concept is the relationship that Ted Cord and booster Gold had. I agree. That was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, and that is missed. Very much so. Yeah,
1: so that's the only thing. Um, and going on, I mean... Let's go into the story now. Uh, Michael, you want to describe the big catalyst of the war? Um, with Superman?
0: Oh, yeah. Jeez, what what point am I supposed to be on? Am I supposed to be on a point? No. D. D. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, well, ultimately, the whole thing that really started with the war, and sorry I'm blanking, guys... Uh, what Superman and yeah. what happened was that he uh, he kind of killed Doctor Light, yes. but it, to find out later it wasn't really him who killed Doctor Light. And then it, all the team slipped out. And then Amanda Waller wanted Firestorm to make kryptonite weapons. And yeah. the Justice League split. And Wonder Woman took her group to go find a cure. And Batman went to go do something else. And it was kind Batman of
1: Batman was the one who had common sense. I went to go prove that okay there's another bad guy behind this let's
0: not go crazy and start beating people up well and you know I, I find that kind of funny too because Jeff Johns is not a big Batman fan right and yet that's exactly what Batman would do and he wrote him as such but he under that's the thing is Jeff
1: Johns isn't a big Batman fan but he understands what he means to the universe right got what his role is and and that's very good yes you got to give him props for that.
0: I do, yes. Absolutely. And he,
1: and he did the same thing in Infinite Crisis. He understood it there, too.
0: Yeah. Got any yeah. to so, I mean, Batman will be Batman. Right. Is okay. basically how it goes.
1: Get Dr. Light will be cannon fodder that causes crises in the DC
0: universe. Yeah, no kidding. I. I you know, and I feel... And you know what? The Doctor Light character has been played as the most moronic villain, and then as the most sadistic villain. But this version of Doctor Light, I felt bad for.
1: Oh yeah, like I. This is a family man. This isn't that sadistic
0: rapist that was
1: the post-Crisis continuity.
0: No, this version of Doctor Light was married to the female version of Doctor Light, and they had three children. Yes. And I felt terrible. Superman did, too, after it all went down.
1: Yes, he did. Yeah. That's what made it so shocking and jarring to everybody. what threw them off their game, that they all started fighting each other. Yes. And the thing was, I was mad about it at first. Again, they explained it a little better in the book after it happened. But I was shocked by this, because I was angry he did this for Wonder Woman. Do you know our feelings on that relationship? Yes. Got up like, oh my God, this is nuts. But as I thought more about it, it fits Superman. Not that he would kill anybody. I think if he was in control, he'd stop himself. I think so too. But we did see a lot on Smallville with Clark trying to overcome anger issues. Yes. And, and a lot of that... stemmed from his fear of being alone without someone to love and we saw in Smallville because of those feelings with mainly for Lana that it drove him to like making wrong or rash decisions and that's kind of what happened here yeah and so my theory to that is is that it shows why his relationship with Wonder Woman is unhealthy or can't last because their feelings, their attachment to each other is almost pushing him to make those decisions. Yes. And I think for their sanity and for their safety and the safety of the world, I think they need to go with people that will ground them. I, yes. And with Superman, hands down, low Lois Lane. We yep. all know that. Wonder Woman, I'm on the fence with that. I'm throwing out Steve Trevor because the guy did create his own Justice League to kind of knock some sense into her. Or Batman based on what we saw
0: with the Justice League animated series. And I think Batman works for Wonder Woman but I'm not so sure Wonder Woman works for Batman.
1: And that's my point as well. That you said that perfectly.
0: I uh, I I think Batman is very good for Diana, but I think if anybody that should be with Batman for Batman's sake It's Catwoman. It's Catwoman. And, and we it, saw
1: that it, it, in this story.
0: Right. And you can make the argument for Talia or Vicky Vale or whoever you want. Ultimately at the end of the day it's gonna be Catwoman.
1: Because she's most loyal to him, to be honest. Yeah. And Talia's not gonna work now.
0: Talia doesn't work now. Vicky Vale could probably make work if he had to, but... We haven't seen her yet. But we haven't seen her yet. I agree. So...
1: Yeah. And, and Catwoman the whole time is like, I'm going with Batman. Batman's right. Batman knows what he's doing. Yes. Again, she has common sense. That's what I would be doing, too. Yes. If Batman told me to do something in the DC Universe, I'd be like, okay, I'm doing it. That's fine.
0: Yes, I would be doing
1: it. Because then you won't die, yes.
0: Yes, you won't die, and you'll probably be (laughs) safe.
1: And his team kind of came out the best. Got the end, maybe?
0: Yeah. (laughs) I, I think his team overall won the Trinity War. Yeah. But at the same time, no one won the Trinity War. Yes.
1: Well, Lex Luthor may win the Trinity War, but...
0: Yeah, but we'll see.
1: Well, he kind of did. He got out of jail. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. And I, I just... I think it's funny that Batman's just always right. Well, he is. It's like, yeah, oh, okay. Um, other parts of the story, though, I, I really did like. I liked Firestorm's little arc. Yes. Um, The debate he had on, well, is Superman a bad guy? Should I be making this kryptonite for the government? What are they doing? Is that right? I, I really like that. Again, Jeff Johns loves the character of Firestorm. So, of course, he's going to do him perfect.
0: Yes. Yeah. So. Yes. Firestorm. Firestorm is a pretty cool character, though. Yeah. Like, I think he is an underrated. I don't think he should be overrated, But I do think he is underrated at this point. But I I like the Jason-Ronnie-Raymond combination. Yes, I do. It seemed to work very well. Yes. And I really liked Jason with his girlfriend from before Black Yeah, that
1: was interesting.
0: And I really liked, of course, um, Ronnie and the Professor. Well, that's classic. And it's classic. But I think this is probably the most effective combination we've seen.
1: I think for the modern day, yes. I mean the, the the idea of a professor combining bodies with his young student is kind of awkward nowadays. But
0: uh, well, anyone combining bodies with someone is awkward, regardless.
1: Quite, yeah, and I guess that's why they kind of did away with combining bodies with a girlfriend. Yeah, because that was a little odd too. But um, you know, it, it, it works very well. It's a it's a different way of doing. The hero and mentor talking to each other um, without having to use, like, a video screen or a
0: earpiece like they did on Batman and Beyond. The only problem is everyone thinks they're crazy. And that's funny, though. Yeah, it is pretty funny. It's like, the, it's like Blue Beetle and the Scarab, though. It's <laughs> the same concept. It's just different. That would be funny
1: if the two of them teamed up.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think they should. I don't know why they haven't yet. That would be funny. That would be very funny. Because they're both looking at each other
1: like, who are you talking to?
0: That would be very funny. Yes.
1: (laughs) Like the guy in my head. Wait, do you have a voice in your head too? Yeah. Yes. I there the two voices could communicate with each other?
0: Yes. I thought with Trinity War, though, going back to the actual story, I thought overall, I I thought it was very good. I thought it was dragged out a little too long. And I and six issues is not long. That's not what I mean. I mean, I think it took too long to do what they were doing.
1: Well, I think that was they so they them. had time to get Forever Evil ready. Yeah, and, and I think they then want... that Villains Month is like, was it there are like four Batman books coming out in one month?
0: They're more than that.
1: That's that's bananas.
0: There are a total of sixteen Batman-themed uh, villains month books coming out.
1: So I think that was to give Steiner and company time to do what they need to do.
0: Yeah, but the thing with that is, is all the villains month issues for the most part are not written by the regular writer. Okay. They're with all the orchestrate. A- that's a lot of work. Yeah. But thank God Jeff Johns is still doing the Black mana story, and thank God that Francis Manupool is still doing the Reverse Flash story.
1: Well, I think they were building up to those. Yeah. So I think that they should. We haven't done Reverse Flash yet, so Francis Manupool needs to do that.
0: And oddly enough, Scott Snyder isn't actually doing the uh, Court of Owls story. James Tennyson is.
1: You know, that's okay.
0: Because they work together, so I'm fine Because
1: with that. Well, because I think the Court of Owls is going to be an addition to Batman's rogues gallery. I hope so. So I think over the years we're going to see different people writing for the Court of Owls. Yeah. They have that presence like the League of Assassins does.
0: Yeah. So I think that's where it's going to go. Um, well, and I think whoever's writing Talon, which right now is not Scott Snyder, it's James Tennyson, I think that's the person who should do that story anyway.
1: Right. And I know you're saying they dragged it out too long with with um, Trinity War, but here's the thing. There's been worse story arcs that have been dragged out way too long.
0: I don't disagree.
1: Um, I thought Civil War went a little too long.
0: I don't think the regular six issues of Civil War did. I right. think all the tie-ins made it seem longer than it was. And that's, that's the thing. True. Trinity War didn't have many tie-ins. And the tie-ins it had were actually necessary to the right. point where you could have just put them in the regular story and I would have, it would have felt more fluid for me.
1: Yeah, I agree. Well, I just like DC does. Stranger. Well, I'm going to say DC does a better job with their overarching story arcs yeah. where it's more condensed and manageable.
0: Well, because even with night of owls, Batman issue nine. There's a panel in there where Batman is driving to Arkham Asylum, and then they say, "Check out Detective Comics issue nine for the rest of the right. story." And then it says later, Batman's at this other place, and that's right before he meets Owlman.
1: Well, and the Detective
0: that... Nine. It's that whole Arkham Asylum story, and it's so cool. Well,
1: and and that's the great thing is it's everything is number nine. Yeah, you know, it's not like you have to get number eight there and number six here and number, you know.
0: Well, you did if you were reading JLA for this, but... But, it, but that wasn't terrible,
1: though. No, it wasn't. That was like, okay, it's, we have seven.
0: Because it was one book
1: out of three. Right, but everything else was at number seven. That's why I like that they did an, they released their books in phases. Yes. So you really have, you know, it's you have smart. three... Yeah, it's easier to keep track of. Yeah,
0: it's, it's very smart.
1: And everything's under the title... It's, um... Everything's under the title Trinity War. Right. So, you know, Trinity War this, Trinity War that. Much easier. And and they really even did it before um, before they started the New 52. They did it then, but it's much better now, even after the New 52 started.
0: Yeah. So that's that's a really good thing. And same goes for Marvel now for the most part. Because the way they did right. it, the whole reason for Marvel now was so that you could do the same thing.
1: Well, with these movies, you're having people get get interested in comic books and wanting to read because they needed a jumping in point. Right. So that's why they did this. Because I think, for the most part, it's working.
0: I think so, too.
1: People have told me that DC sales have gone, gone lower, but I don't know if that's counting online stuff and a couple other things. I...
0: Yeah, I think the majority of people who are just getting into it, a lot of times, they will read online because then they don't have to try and track down issue one, two, through seven or eight. Right. Because a lot of times if they're getting into them after movies like The Avengers or Iron Man 3 or Man of Steel or Dark Knight Rises, whatever it is, a lot of times the series is already in, like, issue eight or nine. Right. And they'd have to go back. So I think a lot of it is digital now.
1: Right. Well, and with Forever Evil, that's even better because they're not doing, Guess they're doing Villains Month, but it's not like special issues. Right. You know, it's still Detective Comics. It's still Batman Comics. So it's not like you're trying to get a special title or a different title. The only different title you need to know is Forever Evil.
0: Yeah. One one through six or whatever it's going to be. The villain you want to read about that week. Right. I mean, it's really that simple.
1: And the other nice thing about Trinity War is this is the first time we've had had all the heroes get together in three years. Yeah. So it felt really good and it felt really fresh. Yes. And it felt like we were getting new interactions when really these characters
0: had seen each other before. Well, and the thing is, too, is we only saw Martian Manhunter encounter the regular Justice League team briefly in one panel in issue eight. Right. Well, yes, it was issue eight of Justice League. And now we see it happen again. And we see the interaction between him and Superman. We see the interaction between him and Batman and all the rest of the characters. And it's really the only one we don't really get to see the interaction with is Hal Jordan, which is kind of unfortunate. Yeah. But. Well, not kind of. It's it's very unfortunate, but at least we did have Simon Baz. We had a Green Lantern there, which did make me feel a little better about it.
1: Well, and that's the other thing. I'm, I'm wondering. I feel bad we can't have this story, could not have Hal Jordan in it. I agree. Like, forever evil. Like, if he knew what was going on on Earth, he'd be there. Yes. Yes. I mean, he bring the whole core and say, let's get these guys he would yes
0: because he's in charge of it now and he can so they need to explain that well i don't think they need to explain it cuz they already did that with set up with Green Lantern 20 true but but i do think that i i do think that he's going to have problems of his own with this next arc okay and I, and I think it, he will be completely justified in not being on Earth. But I will say, I did love the line. And I know this was in the free comic book day thing from last uh, from yeah. last uh, spring. Because uh, Ivan Rays redid all the artwork from that little panel in, in uh, the last issue of Trinity War. Which, by the yeah. way, looked just as good as Jim Lee's. But... Um, mm. What was really cool was the line where Simon Baz is coming after Batman, who's holding Pandora's box, yeah. and he starts wailing on him and says, I'm the Green Lantern. And Batman's like, but you're no Hal Jordan. And he takes <laughs> him out with this little thing from his belt. I'm like, yes, that is fantastic. Did, did
1: Flash give him crap about it, too? I think that so. He was it Hal? Yeah. Which is
0: fun. And what I do like what they're doing with the Justice League of America, and I know they're changing the name, they're changing it to Justice League Canada after this, um, but Jeff Lemire will, will be writing that book, so that, that will be good. But I, I do like that they're kind of giving Green Arrow and Simon Baz a sort of friendship. Yes. Because, if, because right now in the New 52, they've established that the main Green Lantern partnership is Green Lantern and Flash. And that's what it was before right. the 80s, and that's what it is now. I do like that there's still Green Lantern, Green Arrow pairing, even if it's not the same Green Lantern.
1: Well, and actually it makes more sense for them to be together as, as a partnership. Because Simon Baz is the type of character that would have showed up in Green Arrow, Green Lantern. Yes. Like his family life and then him being accused of being a terrorist and stuff. That's something that that book would cover. Yes, if it had come out today. So I think that's perfect. It fits that theme. Yeah, of the very it, that book is very politically charged and opinionated. That's the old Green Arrow, Green Lantern comic book, where Hal and uh, Oliver go on a road trip, and I I think that Simon Bass being friends with Green Arrow
0: captures that again.
1: I agree. And and I think Justice League Canada, Simon Baz, and Green Arrow are going to be out there together, right?
0: I don't know, because they haven't released the lineups for all three teams yet. Okay. So, and I don't think we'll know until after Forever Evil. All right. I think once the six issues of Forever Evil are done, which will probably be in February or March, yeah, that's when I think the Justice League books really start back up again.
1: Right. Well, and when those books start back up again... Things are going to be a little bit different. Um, I know we complained about some of Jeff John's creative decisions with how he set up the Justice League. Who's on the team? You have your feelings about Cyborg. Yep. We also expressed our issues about the Adam being a girl. We didn't like that. Again, there were bigger intentions behind that that we saw
0: coming, huh? Uh, yeah, no kidding. Yes. And But really, though, Dan, we should have seen that coming because. I know. Of- alternate cover to Justice League issue one, Ray Palmer's Adam is in the background. Right. With all the other characters and all their New 52 uniforms. So we really should have seen it coming. And I think Ray Palmer is out there in the New 52. No, he is. There's no chance he's not. He I
1: is. I feel like that's going to be a part of Forever Evil. I hope so. I feel like this that incident, the the Earth-3 group coming in is going to inspire him to become the atom
0: yeah so that should be fun well and even if he steals Atomica's and we're getting ahead even if he steals Atomica's uniform and just uses hers I'd be up for that too because that would explain why he would still be called the atom even after that
1: well and it would be nice to see the guy get out of that funk he was in get In the post-crisis continuity yeah, after and all that. Yeah. Let's, let's get back to
0: the cheerful guy.
1: Yes. Quite a, would you
0: classify the Adam as cheerful? I thought in Justice League Unlimited he was. Yeah, okay. That, so I, I want that guy.
1: That... Yeah. And that's the great thing about Jeff Johns. Everything he's done that I've kind of questioned or have been worried about pays off in an amazing fashion. Most things, most things. I can't think of something that hasn't. Now, cyborg. now after he did this, cyborg. <laughs> but 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 with that being said, that crazy thing with Kim being replaced by Grid.
0: Yes. Uh, see now that changes that. I still think you could have had cyborg on the JLA, and that could have worked.
1: But I don't. Mm. The thing with that, though, is I don't know if he'd go against the Justice League.
0: He did. in Well, think of it. In Flashpoint, was he not the government's puppet?
1: But that was a different
0: reality. But he was essentially the same person. Yeah. He didn't really change. The only thing about him that really changed was he was just a more popular hero. Well, there's two things I
1: have about that theory of what happened. One's kind of crazy. The other one, I think, would work. First idea I had is, know how he's now he's technically what makes him cyborg, because not machine parts, but parts of a mother box and apocalyptic technology. Right. Is it possible that he could like regenerate himself and come back? Think <laughs>
0: That's interesting.
1: The other thing I thought of is when the, um, and I know this is jumping ahead a little bit, when the crime syndicate comes through, there is no Earth-3 cyborg. There's no evil cyborg. Right. And and as you just stated in Flashpoint, cyborg was ultimately the same in that alternate reality. What if he's the same on Earth-3? He's a good guy. But he's younger. He's a teenager. Interesting. So the teenager cyborg comes through. What team does
0: he join? T-E-E-N-T-I-T-A-N-S, Teen Titans. Let's go. Yes, sir. I like that. Could they do that? That's a very good theory. I like that. And then you
1: just have Martian Manager join the Justice League now. Cause I and feel the, like he reached that point
0: now and then have regular cyborg die. Yeah. That could work. I could see that. Yeah. I that's, like that theory. That's a good theory.
1: That's what I'm going with. That's what I think he's
0: doing. Okay. Why I not? like that. That's very well thought out. Yeah, I know. Why not? Exactly. Huh?
1: That's saying if the Justice League, when they disappear, can end up on Earth three.
0: I think they will end up on Earth three. I think that's okay. exactly where you're going to see them once we find them again.
1: Because I feel like it worked like the small episode where Clark went to Earth three, or Earth two, as they call it on this show.
0: I don't know if he it got will... replaced. I don't know if it'll work that way, only because when that happened. The whole reason that they switched sides were because both of them were holding the box. Well, actually, what I meant is the second episode. Oh, where they fought each other?
1: Because didn't he get warped back there? Clark? How did he end up on Earth 2 the second time?
0: Um, weren't they messing with it? In Watchtower? Maybe they were. I feel like they were messing with it. I don't remember. All
1: right. Anyway, anyway, what I think happened is the crime syndicate came out. The Justice League went to fight the crime syndicate. Ultraman opened the box and set them to Earth 3.
0: Yeah, I I, I think they were back at Earth 3. I think that's what I agree with you. That's how they got there.
1: That's what happened in the comic. Not on Smallville. Just keeps that straight. Yes. Kind really before we got to that point, which we didn't happen. We're assuming that's what happened. Um. I think what was more shocking than there being a female Adam was the mastermind behind Trinity War not being Lex Luthor, who I originally thought it was going to be, but an evil Alfred
0: from Earth Three. And this, I actually kind of knew. Okay. I knew it was going to be Alfred. I didn't know he was going to be from Earth, Earth 3. And the only reason I knew it was going to be Alfred was because during the Silver Age, there was an arc in Batman where Alfred actually died. And because right. fans got really mad, they brought him back as this character called The Outsider, uh, who is this character, and he was also in Flashpoint in the comics. Um, and he was an evil version of Alfred, and basically Batman and Robin ended up saving him, and Alfred is thus restored. Okay, so I I knew it was gonna be Alfred. I had n- I thought he was from the Flashpoint timeline. Quite honestly, that's where I thought he was from, and somehow he survived. But the fact that he came from Earth three and was Earth three's Alfred that made it all the much better. Kind kind of freaky. Yes,
1: because what we saw Alfred do on Beware the Batman this week, come like an evil Alfred is scary. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah, by the way, Clark Luthor came back uh, in the episode Kent. Uh, Dan, when he came back, he just met with Clark in the loft and thrusted the uh, mirror box in his hand and sent him back.
1: Okay. So kind of like what happened here.
0: Yeah, kind of like what you're thinking.
1: Yeah. So, but an evil Alfred, yikes. Yeah. Just don't give him a rocket launcher. Right. Right. And, um, and then we had Cyborg with Grid. That's a nasty way to go out. So I'm uh, sorry.
0: Yeah. Being ripped apart.
1: Yeah, Jeff Johns kind of does some nasty character deaths. That was a bad one.
0: It's no worse than Superboy Prime ripping limbs off people and ripping them in half. Though the worst one
1: was when they kill off Firestorm's girlfriend.
0: Oh, yeah, with the Death Storm guy. Yeah. yeah brutal. That was the worst one. That was brutal.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I, I think the last thing we're going to say is um, I, I guess we're going to think that the heroes are sent to Earth 3 by Ultraman and they're trying to get back to Earth. Is that yep. what we're going with? Yeah. Are we going to see that in Forever Evil? Is that going to be what issue two is going to be about?
0: I don't think we'll see it in Forever Evil. I mean, we might. I think it's going to be mostly the villains and the crime syndicate who are going to rule that book, though.
1: So then are we going to see... I mean, when are we going to see an explanation of them on Earth-3? Or are they just that going could to show be... up and explain what happened?
0: They could do that in Justice League sometime after issue 25. Okay, because I know up to twenty five, the crime syndicate is on that uh, book. Because yeah, because villains month is only a month. Villains month is only a month. But so that's forever, just going to take was... off.
1: So that's just going to take off for a week from the story to give a couple origin stories. Because then after that, it's going to pick up with probably the regular cast of characters.
0: Uh no, because I know October. In October's Justice League issue, I know it's the Crime Syndicate. And then in November's Justice League issue, I know it's Ultraman and Owlman versus Nightwing. Okay. So I don't think we're going to be seeing the actual League in their own books. So Nightwing is going to be in the Justice League book. Yes.
1: That's interesting. And then is the Nightwing and Batgirl comics going to connect
0: i don't know how that's all working out okay
1: batman's and gonna I, be an interesting i don't know the
0: flash is continuing his arc
1: that makes sense because
0: i think that arc happens before trinity war okay so i think that's why So be and a and I a disclaimer in the beginning
1: called, this takes place before trinity war
0: yeah because all the normal character books are going to stay on where they are now right Because, I mean, it all happened. Well,
1: you know, the other thing, this could be a sequel to Flashpoint.
0: Yeah. That's true.
1: And he runs into Zoom. That's true. While while this is going on. Yeah, I don't know. Because, you know, we're going to jump realities. Why don't we go to the future? What the heck? Why not? Okay, with that, let's go into talking about Forever Evil 1, because that's kind of where our thought process is going right now evil, evil is his one and only
0: the first universe-wide event of the new 52 begins as forever evil launches the justice league is dead and the villain shall inherit the earth an epic tale the world's greatest supervillain starts here could i love how this started off
1: I was very distraught when Action Comics 1 came out and Lex Luthor was conveyed as this sniveling, weakling henchman working for the government to take down Superman. That was bogus. They had him (laughs) scared of Brainiac. What the heck? Grant Morrison. Kind of what made no sense with this because how he wrote... Lex Luthor's so well in All-Star Superman. And then he does this. And it's like, what are you doing? Well, this, Mr. Jeff Johns, who's one of the people I think writes Lex Luthor very well, brought back the true blue sinister Lex Luthor. But he had him uh, paralyze his sister, or cure his sister and then paralyze her again. Um, in that great adventure comic story. That came out a couple years ago with Superboy. And this was that Lex Luthor and I was excited to have him back. But the twist of this story, God, I love it and I can't wait to see how it's going to play out, is Lex Luthor isn't out to destroy Superman. He needs to find him because basically it's up to him to save the world from the crime syndicate. Okay, and it seems like Lex Luthor is going to be teaming up with the rogues to do this of all people. Yeah, which is fascinating, kind of. Lex Luthor has liked to dumb this this story where the villain plays the hero. He played with it, with Sinestro. In Green Lantern. And I think this story of Lex Luthor is a bigger version of that tale. Yeah, kind of will work very well, but I have a feeling the end of it is going to be Lex Luther trying to double cross everybody, because that's just Lex Luther. Yes. But I could see the rogues being the one that screws up his double cross. Because they want to go back to doing their thing.
0: I hope so. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think this is where it's going to go? I think that's where it could go. I think ultimately you're going to have Lex Luthor running some sort of underground army that's going against the crime syndicate and and defending the earth at least until the league gets back. Right. Okay. And I think it'll end up turning out kind of like the end of Justice League Unlimited season two, where they kind of work side by side to defeat this overall threat. And then
1: it's going to put Lex Luthor in a position where he is going to be a problem. I don't yes. want him to run for president again. I feel like we've been there, done that, and that story was so good. Why try to do it again? I'm talking about Batman Superman public Paul by the way, Right. with that story. I don't know, have him do something else, I guess. There you go, yeah. Have him take over the UN or something. Yeah. <laughs> but don't do a storyline where the Joker comes and turns the whole UN into powder just to make Lex like mad. <laughs> no. This isn't the 60s Batman. Although I'm sure they could do that a lot better now, so who knows? Well, speaking of Batman... Um... The Crime Syndicate's first shocking attack or heinous crime they commit on Earth is capturing Nightwing, kind of revealing his identity. (laughs) Which I know shocked Michael pretty good. Yes. I think Michael was worried about my health when this happened because I'm such a huge Nightwing fan. But you know what, Michael? I think, you know, Jeff Johns always says Batman's too easy to write. I think he's trying to make Nightwing more of a complex vigilante character. Because I think his identity being revealed in the world. It's going to make his story arc or his conflicts that he deals with now um, very similar to what we got with Oliver in Smallville Season 10. Okay. Because I thought that screwed, was going to screw up his character. That worked out pretty well, didn't it? I think so. So I think it's going to be okay with Nightwing. It also makes that Zuko story arc going on right now a little more interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Because essentially Tony Zuko created Nightwing. And there's a very good Batman Brave and the Bold episode that covered that. Okay. And, And that was, it was basically Batman came face to face with Joe Chill, his killer. The whole storyline was a wager between the Phantom Stranger and the Specter on if Batman was going to kill Joe Chill or not. What ultimately happens is Batman is the one, not the one that's going to kill the guy gets all the villains because they're angry at him because he created Batman. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that may happen to Zuko which would be an interesting story. Yeah, that would be interesting. But then at the same time, we have Lex Luthor going, who the heck is Richard Grayson? Right. When they reveal his identity, so it might not be that big of a deal. It might not.
0: I, I would also not be surprised as if when the Justice League came back, Martian Manhunter was able to erase everyone's minds. That's what I was thinking as well. And Cyborg erased all connection of him online. Yeah. Can really, I think that could easily happen too, and I think I'd be okay with that because I'd rather his identity be secret, right? And if and if it want and if the writers wanted it to be revealed, I would have rather had Kyle Higgins do it. Nothing against uh, Johns, but he's on. the guy in charge of Nightwing right now. Well, maybe they had talked about it. I hope he at least consulted him about it. I, I have a feeling he did. Yeah, I would think
1: he would. but um, I mean, Jeff Johns, he's a, he's a pretty down-to-earth guy. And I think he's nice enough to be like, dude, I want to do this. This is all right. You know, can we make this work? Yeah. Got to get it. Might have made Kyle Higgs go. Kyle Higgs go. Whoa, okay, that gives me a lot of cool ideas. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, and I hope he consulted Gail Simone about this as well. Because she may have a big part to play in it, too. Right, because it seems like Batgirl is gonna be in this um I think that's gonna help her arc, got kind of her conflict tremendously as she had the incident with her brother James who's a serial killer, and she kind of killed him, well, it looked like she killed him, but he survived, didn't he or yeah he did yeah, he got out he survived he's
0: on the suicide squad now
1: right God um, Commissioner Gordon thinks he's dead. So he and Batgirl are kind of duking it out. And she um, thinks she's failed the family. So she ripped the Bat symbol off of her costume and says, I'm not worthy to be a part of the team. So basically, I think what's going to happen here is Batgirl is going to feel worthy of the family again after she goes and saves Nightwing. Because as we said, when crap hits the fan, everyone goes to Batman. Batman saves the day. Batman knows what to do. Batman has the plan to fix everything. I think what we're going to see, because Batgirl have the plan to save the day, and she's going to be the next best person you call when Batman's out of the way. And she couldn't do that before in post-crisis because she was Oracle almost all the time. But now that she can go out there and be in the field, I think that's what we're going to see.
0: I think that may be stretching it a little bit.
1: But, I mean, who else is there at this point? I mean, you can't put them in the story and not have, like, a major purpose for it.
0: Well, other than a reaction to seeing it on TV. I mean, they did that with the Titans, too. Now, do I think the Titans are going to fight back as well? Yeah, I do. In fact, I actually think if you need anyone to put a team together to go help Nightwing, I think it's Tim Drake. Because he's the most like Batman out of anybody. Well exactly. it, it, man, maybe Batgirl helps them. Yeah. You know, I she's the one on will.
1: the team that comes in, kind of helps them come up with a plan.
0: Yeah, I would think she would.
1: So that that's that's more what I'm saying. I mean I don't want you to think she's a hero of the whole story. Right. Because I think Lex Luthor is gonna have a big part to play this. Yeah. They may even have to go to Lex Luthor. You know what I,
0: you mean? I think he'll go to them.
1: Or he goes to them. Cause I think with that we'll get a situation like we had God Young Justice would he try to create his own team. Yeah. Can he'll try to control them and get them to do his bidding and I think the relationship between Kim and Superboy that might get set up could be interesting.
0: That would be interesting. Because we
1: haven't done that yet.
0: Well and we don't know what origins are really there yet. Right. Well, actually, we kind of do, because we know Superboy's not even a clone of Superman. He's a clone of Superman and Lois Lane's son from the future. But yeah, that could confusing. also be false. We exactly.
1: And the other thing is, Jeff Johns has never really done God Nightwing Batgirl story. So I'm kind of anxious to see what he'd do with it. Yeah. Because I'm a huge fan of that. Maybe he is, too. I don't know. But I, I'm wondering what he's going to do. Yeah. And I keep an eye on both of those books because they may have a significant part to play Good Forever Evil 1.
0: Or in the whole arc. I'm wondering if those books themselves are going to have them uh, have their reactions in it or have them in it, I guess, in the sense of Forever Evil. Or if it's going to be all the Justice League books that they'll be in instead. That's interesting as well. Because it might be that, because I know Justice League, the next two issues, I think are Crime Syndicate and Nightwing. Have... Well, and there is a
1: Nightwing annual coming out where Batgirl and Nightwing team up. So maybe that's when they deal with it.
0: Unless it's a flashback issue.
1: I just I feel like Kyle Higgins should get to tell part of that story.
0: I think so, too.
1: Same with Gail Simone. Gail yeah. Simone, I mean, she's done a lot of great work. I mean, it adds a respect thing. I think they need to let her do part of the arc or something. Or I don't know if they're going to weave in and out.
0: I don't know how it's going to work. Again, they tried to take her off a of Batgirl, so I don't know how much they really want her to get involved. Right. But we'll see.
1: Guan, well, the Bat books are highly. I mean, they they're they're big sellers. Um, yes. And Nightwing, and Batgirl are big sellers. Yes. So I think they could get away with saying. If you continue the this story, read Nightwing One. You know, they'll do it like they did with um, with Aquaman.
0: The difference with that is, though, is it was only two books. I have a feeling this is going to be a lot more, and I don't want it to be a whole big thing. I mean, I do and I don't. I, is it going to go into
1: the Superman books?
0: It's not going into Superman. It's not
1: going into Batman's actual Batman books. Because they're doing Zero Year, which is separate. Right.
0: And that gives them a good out. And Batman's gone, that's the other thing. And it doesn't go into Green Lantern, because that's Hal. And it doesn't go into Flash, because he's doing that reverse Flash arc. it's got go to go into Teen Titans. It'll go into Teen Titans. It will probably go into Nightwing, unless that arc that's going on with him is still going on. It might go into Batgirl, unless her arc is still going on. And I know it goes into all the Justice League's, I believe. Yeah, and, and Loeb Dell, I don't think
1: he was listed as working on this at all. And they kind of don't want him on it, but.
0: Unless it's the Justice or the Teen Titans book, I don't care.
1: Right. I mean, if it's the Teen Titans book, I'm fine. I mean, I don't want him involved in the big story. Because he has a tendency to get a little kind of weird. Right. Guys, this is continuing. Many of the Batman villains that we know and love can end up joining the crime syndicates called Secret Society. And during this Penguin was at the big meeting where the crime syndicate got all the villains together to join the secret society. And um, they're all going of have this fear of the Joker popping up. Uh-huh. Do you think we're going to see him? Because I think it's going to tick him off that someone gets up and says, well, we killed the Justice League because, well, Batman's part of the Justice League. Because I don't think the Joker is going to accept someone killing Batman. Especially when that death of the family arc was so heavy on their relationship and him almost kind of having like a,
0: like a fetish towards Batman. Well, the funny part about that was, is they were like, yeah, he's probably already here wearing someone else's face. Yeah. That was the funny part about all that. But I do, I do hope he pops up. Because I think like a story like Forever Evil, I mean, Joker is kind of the epitome of evil in the DC Universe, unless you count Doomsday. And really, it's almost hand-in-hand with them. Right. So I think he needs to pop up in one form or another. I know his Villains Month tie-in, which just came out this past week, uh, had literally nothing to do with Forever Evil.
1: Wasn't it more of an origin story kind of thing?
0: It wasn't even an origin story. It was a flashback story, which is an origin of another villain who doesn't even matter anymore because Damien is dead. Oh. So, it. in fact, I actually really didn't like the story. I thought the writing of the Joker was good, but other than that, I did not like the story at all. That's unfortunate. So it was unfortunate. I was very upset about that, and it wasn't even Scott Snyder's writing, which was even more upsetting. Because
1: I thought we would get like Batman's first encounter with the Joker or something like that.
0: Well, I think they're saving that more for zero a year, and I respect that. So right. I'm I'm okay with it, but at the same time, it was disappointing seeing as how big it, it was hyped. Yeah. I, I do hope Joker somehow gets involved. I think he has to at this point, and I hope it's sooner than later.
1: Yeah, and the other thing is Jeff Johns might be staying away from that because it is Lodell's baby. I mean, not Lodell. Um, Scott Snyder's baby.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I really like how Jeff Johns and Scott Snyder are really writing Lex Luthor the same way. And they're really trying to get out of Grant Morrison's little action comic story. And yes. they're re- writing him the way he's supposed to be written. Because the way he's written in Superman Unchained is very much like how he's written here. And like how he's written Blackest Night and here and there. And in action back when Jeff Johns and Richard Donner were writing it. And it's that's the way Lex Luthor's supposed to be.
1: But that, that's the way Jeff Johns likes him. So, of course, they're going to do it that way.
0: Right.
1: Well, and Jim Lee being involved in Superman Unchained, that kind of plays into it too. I think so too. Well, and and well, is LoDell? No, who's writing Superman Unchained? Snyder is.
0: Snyder is writing Unchained. Yeah, that's right. Dell is writing Action and Superman.
1: Yeah, and and Lemire is writing Green Arrow, and this,
0: and Justice League of America, which will be Justice League Canada. Okay. And I think he's still
1: writing Animal Man, but I'm not sure. I, I think that's true.
0: Okay. I think you're right on that. And I don't know if Scott Snyder's still writing Swamp Thing or not, but I know he was. Right.
1: Cool. Well, I'm, I'm really hoping the Joker shows up. It's good to do a story called Forever Evil. makes sense. Um, on the flip side of that, I see some interesting things happening with Owl Man. Yes. Um. It sounds like he had Dick Grayson, well, the Earth-3 version, as his partner, had something happen to him. And yeah. I'm wondering if, like, that flipped to switch in Owlman to make him go from superhero to villain. Kind of like what happened with Superman in the Injustice video game, if anyone's played that.
0: That would be interesting.
1: Cause throwing it out there might not happen, but didn't the owl man help the justice league or something in a previous version of that story? I don't think so. Okay.
0: Do you know no, what I'm owl thinking Ma- of? You might be thinking of the owl man from the post crisis universe who's part of the outsiders.
1: No, I'm thinking of the justice Lord's story from justice league. Oh, that's what you're thinking. That Ultimate yep. Batman, Yep. Yeah, Owlman and and that alternate
0: are very different, though. In the fact of if you've seen Justice League: Crisis on Two Earths, that's who Owlman is, and that's how sadistic and just non-caring about any life he is. Like that's who he is. Okay, I think that's gonna be here. Okay, because he's not Bruce Wayne. You have to remember, Owlman has never been Bruce Wayne. It's always been Thomas Wayne Jr. And we've seen how sick he can be on our current new earth with Scott Snyder's court of owls.
1: Yeah. I so
0: how to play. in a world full of supervillains,
1: that's true. That that's, that's a very good point. Well, and the other thing is if Thomas Wayne jr. Exists could our reality possibly there could be a Bruce Wayne in earth three.
0: Yeah. And I'm wondering if, because in a lot of the promos I've seen for Forever Evil, it's a lot of the times the crime syndicate battling a group of supervillains, and with that group of supervillains is Batman. So I'm wondering if the Bruce Wayne of Earth 3 somehow gets over. That's interesting. Or Batman. And if he doesn't get over it, I wonder if Batman just survived.
1: Our awesome Batman just, yeah, he's hiding out somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. I think when he comes back, he's going to be a little angry at the crime syndicate, don't you think? Just a little bit. Yeah. Just a little bit. Uh, Especially after what happened to Damien. Uh, He's going to be a little nutso.
0: Batman's had a really tough few years.
1: Yeah. Kind of sucks.
0: He's like, I hate Grant Morrison. (laughs) Yes. Well, and then they're doing that whole Two-Face story arc in Batman and Robin that's upcoming. Yeah. And, I, and I'm thinking that Carrie Kelly might be his daughter because of the way it sounds like they're setting it up. Ooh, that could be fun. So, that so that'll be, really be interesting, interesting, but we'll see.
1: Now, have they still maintain the continuity that Two-Face was Harvey Dent? And that he and Bruce Wayne were once friends?
0: I think so, yeah. Okay. I don't know. The two-face, don't Two-Face issue of... Forever Evil hasn't come out yet. That could be fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, we have the Teen Titans. And I was wondering with this, if they make it to Earth 3 or they somehow save the Justice League, do you think that they'll set up up a relationship between the Teen Titans and the Justice League that's going to be similar to kind of what we saw in Young
0: Justice? I hope so. That'd be fun. I hope they do that. I, I I, do think, however, that the New 52 Teen Titans are a little more independent. Yeah. So I'm not sure if they would necessarily want to go for it, but I think it would be fun, and I think it would be a good idea. And I think then you could have characters like Blue Beetle and even Firestorm and Captain Marvel maybe help out on the team, and I think that'd be a lot of fun.
1: Well, and even with Young Justice, I thought in the second season they were more independent than the first. Yeah. Where especially with what Nightwing and all them did so maybe that's but, what you're going to get because you're going to get Nightwing and Batgirl and all them like as the mentors
0: I think that'd be cool I think that'd be cool I they just need to introduce Miss Martian and have her and Superboy have a thing and Wonder yes. Girl and Red Robin have a thing and then I'll be fine
1: right and, and you know what I wouldn't bring Firestar I mean Starfire back I, I like where she's at
0: with Roy and um, Red Hood. I would bring those three characters back though, if they did that with the Titans. If not, just to show them another side of heroism. Yeah.
1: And then the last thing I've got to say about um, the first issue of Forever Evil, unless you got anything more to say, Michael, is I thought this issue ended with the best line ever. But this is a line from Lex Luthor that's kind of like go down in history where basically Ultraman eclipses the sun and Lex Luthor goes, this is a job for Superman. But where the hell is he? And I was like, wow, that encompasses the whole story right there. Yep. And I really hope this is a turnaround. This is that moment that's going to turn around the Superman books. I hope. I don't know. But this is a good step in the right direction. And really, this is what Final Crisis should have been. The thing that always intrigued me about Final Crisis was they kept advertising it as the day that evil won. And I don't really think that happened. I always thought that meant with that story that the bad guys were going to save the the day at the end. Or I I guess we, we should say our Earth's bad guys are going to save the day at the end. And I think ultimately that's what's going to happen here in this story. And I think it's going to change the way we look at comics in a much different way than what they're trying to do in Marvel with Spider-Man, the superior Spider-Man stuff. This is a way of letting us look at the villains in a different light, or giving us a different take on them, but doing it in a way that's not so out there and far fetched and ridiculous.
0: Well, and honestly, and not in a way that's disrespectful, in my opinion, to the characters.
1: No, I agree. Because it's just an updated retelling of The Crisis on Tour's story. Yeah. With a little more of the character drama and complications that weren't in comics 30 years ago.
0: Well, and this story, in my opinion, really needs to be just as popular as that was back in the day. Because I think I think Forever Evil, I think the current Marvel arcs, X-Men Battle of Adam and um, Infinity, I think these stories really need – and, of course, Batman Zero Year – I think these stories really need to be looked at by the audience – in a way that they haven't looked at other crossovers before, because these these four stories in particular are very different, and they're very unique, and I think they're very well written, and I think they need to be respected as such. Well, and if, I, I think there have been so many crossovers as of late that we've kind of lost sight of what it really means to have a crossover or a big universe-shattering story. But I think these four are really that. I think they really embody what that means,
1: and they're throwbacks too those great old stories that we love. Yes. That's what's fun about it. Like, I think that's a great thing about um, Brave and the Bold. I never really gave the show a chance when it was on, because I was like, oh, it's Silver Age, it's boring, I'm going to blow it off. But really, what's the allure to that show, cause what makes it fun to watch, because I eventually pulled and decided to watch it, got Netflix, is it's updated versions of old Silver Age stories. So, yes, it's got the silliness to it, but it's updated enough to fit our time where you appreciate it. Yeah. And I think Jeff Johns, this is a much more serious much approach, approach at it than Brave the Bold does, but I think that's what Jeff Johns is doing here. He's taking us back to the day where something like a crossover where an evil version of heroes can invade our Earth is cool. Got something to be excited about. I think he did that perfectly here.
0: Well, and I and I really do think, I think the best stories in terms of crossover stories, in terms of team stories, have always been when they've been fighting alternate versions of themselves. And when okay. the world sees how fortunate they are at who their heroes are because of what they could have been. And the villains see that, too. Yeah. That's oh, what yeah. makes well, it interesting. Well, a few of the villains, I think it's Monocle who does it. He's yelling at the crime syndicate, basically saying, the Justice League aren't dead. You guys are right there, right in front of our faces. And Ultraman just burns him alive, and he's done. He's dead. And Starro says, yeah, they're definitely not the Justice League.
1: Right. And the rogues are like, oh, crap. Right. Okay. They know. They're like, we need to do something. God, Lex Luthor knew immediately. Yeah. God, I love it that he saw Ultraman sniff the kryptonite yes and that's interesting because it makes him I'm glad they kept that intact by the way well like, they did they it didn't... like he's an addict
0: yeah well like they didn't do that on smallville on smallville he did, he had the same sort of powers as uh yeah. superman but on smallville smallville's version of bizarro he did the same sort yeah. of stuff that this Ultraman is doing. And I really love And again, even in the comics for the longest time, Ultraman had a weakness to kryptonite. Yep. Yeah. But I think this is a much better way to do it. Well, it's still a weakness
1: because, because people are addicted to drugs. That's a weakness for them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, really, and if you look at it too, why did he eclipse the sun? Is that his weakness? He said it is burned. That- is that why he came out in, in uh, at night? Yep. It's got to be why. I like it already. Just have a Martian man on there flying to the sunny side of Mars and we'll be good.
1: Because Lex Luthor saw all that. Because I know he's thinking. Yeah. So that would be cool. Batman gets out like sunray gauntlets and dukes it out with him.
0: I do want to say before we move on to Beware of the Batman, uh, because we probably should be doing that. And yes. this is go back a little bit to Trinity War. I do want to say I did not expect the uh, the Starcross, and I'm going to use that phrase because it's a Justice League reference. I did not see the Starcross happening with Atomica until it was too late. Yeah. I did not see that happening. He
1: did that beautifully,
0: Jeff Johns. I, I really didn't. I that, really had no idea.
1: That was one of the first times I was really caught off guard by a comic book in a very long time. Yes. And that, and that right there makes this a great arc. That That is what you need to do with crossover stories. I well, mean, and I think crossover stories have become too predictable. Where it's like, okay, let's get all the heroes together. God, they're going to fight a big scary villain. God, this story is far from that.
0: Well, I mean, let me tell you right now. In the past two weeks... Three instances in comic books, two of them by Jeff Johns and two of them by DC, have thrown me off. One being Atomica, the other being Nightwing's identity revealed, and the other being in the current X-Men book. And I'm not going to spoil it for those of you who don't read X-Men, but a certain character returns, and it really shocked me. I have not been that shocked in comics for a very long time, and I was very happy and very pleased with how it turned out.
1: Well, X-Men is one of the most rock solid comic books of all time. I it, will say that. But it isn't always. There were seven issues of comic that came out recently that I think didn't. But that's the only instance of one I've heard that's really made people upset. Yeah. But- that, that and Grant Morrison's run.
0: Yeah. Which, yes... Don't get me started on that. But other than that, so, I mean, again, I haven't really been shocked either at a crossover story in a long time. And in the past two weeks, I've had three books do that to me. And I, I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed, Jeff Johns, Mike, Brian Michael Bendis. I'm very impressed. Touche, guys. Keep it up.
1: And I mean, they're, I think they're probably the premier guys in the business.
0: I think so.
1: I mean, that's, that's. Uh, I would say Jeff Johns' arch nemesis is Brian Michael Bendis.
0: Yeah, so. Well, and Brian Michael Bendis, oh my gosh, he wrote a killer New Avengers arc. He he does it, you know. He his Avengers stuff is pretty good. It really is. Yeah.
1: Come, um, I'm I'm a little more partial to Jeff Johns, but I think that's because I'm just ex- more excited about DC right now. Yeah, but X Men, always scrolls on me. All right, so let's go into Beware of the Batman on the episode entitled Family.
0: A date with Bethany Ravencroft turns into a disaster for Bruce when he discovers that it's a trap to let the League of Assassins recover the Soul Taker Sword. That was awesome, Michael. Love the Star Wars reference. Yes.
1: Um, That trap and the fact that they started the episode out with it Was awesome. It's Batman and Katana versus ninjas. Awesome way to thrust this into a story. Yes. Were you excited? Batman, Katana versus ninjas? Yes. Awesome opening shot.
0: I wasn't sure what was going on, and I was very glad we got that flashback. Yes.
1: To six hours earlier. Where we actually got another cool fight, where Katana and Silver Monkey fought in a car. Yes, that was cool. Yes, I can't believe they were able to animate.
0: That was I, and you know what? <laughs> I I was just gonna say I can't believe they did that.
1: I mean, the, the fact that they animated a whole fight scene in the tight corners of a car yes. was just awesome. It was like watching a movie. Yes. I mean just it was like, Yeah, you think we're cool with fights scenes on the show? Let's show you what we could do.
0: Yeah, and I didn't expect that at all.
1: And I loved how Katana's in the playing video games, killing zombies. Yes. That was fun too. I like that they're having some fun
0: with that character. I do too, because she's been so serious in the comics, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I'm glad they've actually made her a very fun, very, very, um, I don't want to say outgoing, but very, very relatable, especially to the younger yeah. audience. They've made her a lot more accessible, and I like that.
1: And to the girls watching the show. Yeah. Are are your sisters watching this one?
0: They are not. Okay. I think they should be, and Malin probably would, but they are currently not, so. Okay. which just curious. Yeah.
1: And uh, really, after being impressed with the animation, the plotline made me nervous a bit. I was a little worried they were going Dark Knight Rises here. Because we had Bruce like get mad at Alfred and fire yeah. him and all this stuff. And I'm like, no, not again. But Alfred did not leave on this show. Thank God. He stayed. And, Thanks. yes, thank God. They know how to write Batman on this show. And, and then I was kind of getting annoyed because I'm like, why is Batman callable enough to fall for this Bethany Ravencroft chick? Because we knew as soon as she brought up that artist in club that she was bad. We knew the artist in club was a bad thing.
0: And I didn't think she was bad until I heard that. And I'm like, oh, no. Yep.
1: If they didn't done that, if they had not done that, it would have been a surprise. Yeah. But again, it's a kid's show. we got to let them follow it. Yep. So, that's what it was. Did you feel that they were going a little bit out of character with Bruce and Alfred? Got the midpoint of the episode, Michael? Or were you good and with, you thought they were going to resolve I, it?
0: I, with with them at odds, I thought, I thought it was going out of character, and I was really worried. Okay. But it didn't turn out that way, and I was happy.
1: Because I, I wasn't sure if I was the only one that felt that way. No. Okay, so I'm not going crazy. That's good. Um, Jeff John's shockers then throw me off my game. That's good. Yes. But in the end, of course, Bruce, Batman, knew he was playing, played by Bethany. Of course he knew that, right? He's of Batman. And Alfred had no intention of leaving Wayne Manor. Yeah. Good deal. And Because the whole thing was basically Katana's final test to see if she was worthy of joining the Bat family.
0: And I was so glad that that's how it turned out. Yes. I mean, she would have been stupid if she didn't figure it out. Yes.
1: I mean, you know, she just wouldn't have not been worthy.
0: But it felt almost kind of to me. And if you feel the same way, let me know. Like how they did Razor and Green Lantern, where they yes. kind of kept him on edge, and then they finally brought him in the fold and said, yeah, that was your last test. You're worthy. And I, and it feels like this show is following the same formula, and I really like it because I think that formula works.
1: One, I get Batman questioning if he can trust somebody. Okay, he's paranoid to begin with. Yeah. So I'm glad that they built her up to that, and he did it kind of in a paranoid way. But I could see a, a conflict building eventually between them where Katana's going to say, stop testing me. Because I feel like he's going to keep doing it. And they're eventually going to build up to a conflict where she's like, I can handle this. I know what I'm doing. Give me my space. Yeah. But bottom line with this, did you think it was an impressive, okay, clever way for Katana to be brought into the fold? Can learn Batman's identity?
0: I, I think it needed to happen sooner than later, so I was glad it happened seven episodes in. Okay, I, agree. I I don't think it worked longer. Yeah, but I I think it I think the way they did it was, I think how long they waited was the right amount of time to wait. Yes,
1: I agree. It was just enough episodes. Cause we had some episodes that dealt with other things, so we could move on. Okay, we had the metamorpho thing. And yeah. we had a Humpty Dumpty, which was a, a Commissioner Gordon Batman development episode, which I think was needed. So it didn't feel like too long because there were other stuff to deal with. So, yeah, I agree with that. Perfect timing. Yep. Okay. then the other thing I know you were really excited about with this episode was uh, Lady Shiva's first appearance in animation. Yes. Were you satisfied?
0: Yes. Okay. I liked the voice and I couldn't I couldn't put my, my finger on who I it was. I think
1: that was Jennifer Hale. Who was the voice of Black Cat on um Spider-Man the Animated Series.
0: Okay, I knew she She's sounded familiar. She's done a bunch of stuff. Up.
1: She was Jessica yeah. Vance on Real Adventure of, Je- of Johnny Quest. Oh. I want to say she did Oh, she's the voice of one of the Hex girls. Got in Scooby-Doo.
0: Yes, she was the main one, wasn't she? The main she? one,
1: yes. That's what most people know her from. That's... Which is kind of cool for Lady Shiva. That's perfect.
0: Yes, I agree. So so I, I, liked, I liked her a lot. I liked her introduction a lot. I thought it worked. I didn't like her costume all that much. I, it yeah. felt too brave in the bush. But I, I, they pulled off the fighting with her, and so I think it worked. Yeah, I was kind of open for the New
1: 52 look with the razor blade in her ponytail that she uses to, like, slash people.
0: Well, I would have even been fine with what they did in, with her in Superman, Batman, Public Enemies with that uh, red suit. Oh, yeah. That would have worked, too.
1: But again, I think the idea with this show was that she's, like, royalty... Because a yeah. part of the, the group, the League of Assassins. So I think that fit that idea with her. And maybe yeah. we'll see her in different outfits, in different confrontations with Batman, depending on what it is.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Yeah.
1: Okay. But I did Right. Because I was going to say, she really freaked me out when she used that sword. God, Bethany. That's a creepy yeah, way to go
0: out. No kidding.
1: And I'm really scared that's going to be used on a character. And Batman's going to have to get their soul back or something.
0: That would be a cool episode, though, for him to travel in the sword. I
1: feel like it's going to happen to poor Alfred.
0: No. I know it's horrible, but I just think it's going to
1: happen. But let's go out with Alfred on a happy note. Guys, him firing that rocket launcher is awesome.
0: Yes, it was.
1: I mean, I love this show for making Alfred awesome. Yes. He's like someone that you can say, I'm glad I called that guy.
0: No kidding.
1: Can we get an Alfred for our show that's this awesome, Michael?
0: I don't know if we can. I hope so.
1: I mean, you know, Nico would like having him around. Yeah. You know, when he's angry or wants to rant about something, just call up Alfred. Fire a rocket launcher
0: at him. Yeah, give him a bazooka.
1: Right, exactly. Could be good stuff.
0: I I would give Nico a bazooka.
1: So so we're going to make Nico our Alfred? He could be our Alfred. Yeah, he kind of works. He's smart enough. He has the same amount of hair as Alfred? Yeah. Maybe he can even talk in a British accent for us. That'd be cool.
0: We could definitely try.
1: Can we, we gotta get him, get him a hat?
0: Yes, we do. Maybe Wu could get I don't know where for he, him. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have Wu get him because he lives he lives by Wu somewhere.
1: Right. Yeah. So, so Wu gets to use the rocket launcher first because he lives by him. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, you know. And again, we also have to get Plastic Man gotten That Stuffed Animal. Yes. Because you saw the short.
0: Yes, we can't forget that.
1: Yes, I, I had to just briefly mention you guys. Plastic Man shorts with him wearing Batman pajamas kind of accidentally eating his teddy bear because he wanted to show that he didn't need one to the villain was pretty hilarious. Good short. Mm-hmm. I honestly didn't think we we're going to get to see more Plastic Man shorts. Size so I was very I excited about another
0: one. Yeah. I want more.
1: Yeah. I want to show. I want a Plastic Man show I'm not kidding
0: I I would like Teen Titans Go and Plastic Man to share a show there you go and then you could have 15 minute segments for each
1: and then can we have an episode where the Brave and the Bold Aquaman teams up with Plastic Man because the Brave and the Bold Aquaman is hilarious
0: he could have his own show too it could be a three way block and we'll call
1: it the Aquaman Adventure Half Hour.
0: Yes. Yes. The Aqua Titans Man Hour. Adventure. Adventure Hour. Yes, you have
1: to throw in the adventure. Yes. Because that's what Aquaman does.
0: I, oh my gosh. Okay. So funny. Neptune I watched that, away, that road trip episode. Yes. That was hilarious. Isn't it great? That was hilarious.
1: Yes, to catch you guys up to speed, if you have Netflix, Batman: Brave and the Bold is on there. Okay, there is an episode where Aquaman goes on a road trip with his family. It's great. It is gold. It's it's very funny.
0: Yeah.
1: If you're a Jeff Johns Aquaman fan, you might not like it. I was satisfied
0: by the way I gotta say at the end of Trinity war and this is going back again because I forgot this too when the sea came the sea king came out of that earth three portal it just fell down dead I started laughing but then I was really upset because I would have really liked to see him as part of the crime syndicate yes but I, I get why he died because Jeff Johns absolutely hates 90s Aquaman and that was him killing Jeff John or 90s Aquaman Yes. So I I get it, but at the same time it would have been really cool to see him fight Aquaman
1: I love he, how he has a sense of humor Yes It's great stuff Yes Alright, well with that we're going to move on to talking about another superhero team up Not quite as big as what's going on in Trinity War
0: Or Come. even Beware of the Batman
1: Or even Beware of the Batman it's, it's big enough, Brian's having a good time He's always good for a good storytelling Yes, Brian, we're not going to undershadow you. Cutter and Jeff Johns and the rest of the gang. You are good, too. We haven't forgotten about you. So yeah. we're going to talk now about Smallville Season 11, Olympus Chapter
0: 6. Diana of Themyscira faces off against the might of the United States Army, and not even an assist by the DEO can keep her from defeating the tanks. But between allowing her friends to be hurt or being captured herself, what will she choose? Well, in this one, Wonder Woman
1: was fighting a tank. All right, next.
0: That was the big highlight of the issue, though.
1: Was Wonder Woman fighting a a tank? Yes. And it was fun. She kind of got a little uh, Greek goddess-like on it, calling it a beast and stuff. So that was kind of fun.
0: What I really like that Brian Kimmler does with his interpretation of Wonder Woman. And I told him this on Twitter is that he writes Wonder Woman. And this is how I think she should be written anyway. He writes her like Thor. Yes. And that's how it should work anyway. Cause it makes sense. They come from similar cultures and they're in this land where they have no idea what anything is. They don't just automatically figure it out.
1: Right. And now I have this vision of her in like a coffee shop. Go, with Steve Trevor going, give me another.
0: But instead of breaking it on the floor, she throws it at the Right. The woman.
1: Yes, that's kind of funny. That would be funny. So this is like the perfect woman for Chris Hemsworth.
0: Yeah. Basically, yes.
1: Yes, there you go. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with that, Michael. That's a good um, view on that. I also, speaking of dialogue with Waterwood, I also thought it was very funny where Steve Trevor um kind of almost makes fun of her a bit for using the bracelets to block, to block bullets, which she's bulletproof.
0: Yeah.
1: But she doesn't like being shot. Which I, makes that. Well, I thought that was a funny thing because it reminded us that yes, she's like Thor but she's also a woman. You know, because yes. it's it's, it's kind of like Wonder Woman's version of breaking a nail is getting shot. Yes. And that's kind of funny. That is
0: funny.
1: And it, it fits the Smallville humor, I think.
0: Yes. For sure. And
1: it's better getting that from her than Lois. Because they were getting a little out of control with... Lois I mean the tough
0: girl lines yeah I'll be honest I'm kind of done with Smallville's Lois <laughs> unless I'm watching her on the show I'm kind of done with that character
1: <laughs> I, I wish like Erica Durant could like sit with Brian because he writes Lois's dialogue could be like I don't know if I'd say that <laughs>
0: yeah like the way he writes Superman he can do no wrong Because all he is writing Superman, like Donner's Superman, like Jeff John's Superman, and like Smallville's Superman. And it's essentially the same type of character, the same type of mindset and dialogue. So it's it's very easy to write that character. But to write Smallville's Lois Lane, but to have to constantly do it and constantly keep her strong, I I don't think he's doing a bang-up job there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's so much focus on getting diana done right getting that dialogue good and doing the team-ups right i think lois has been left to the wayside a little bit
0: but i think this started even back with valkyrie because i did not like lois and valkyrie at all yeah and i thought in uh what was the story arc before detective detective well no haunted it would have been yeah haunted I thought she was kind of starting to go that direction and haunted.
1: We need we need with her, we need moments between her and Clark. Yeah, we need we need to have like moments that they would do, got Lois and Clark, with her and Clark. Yes, if you guys seen that show, you know the thing like they did a gag and I think Brian did it. Cotton with the the maple donut. You how Lois was all upset because she couldn't get the maple donut. Okay, Clark super sped and somehow stole it from the guy that had it so she could have it. Or something like that. I don't know if that's exactly how it goes. But they need a little fun, little like domestic moments between them like that. Yeah. <laughs> Can
0: give them some romantic... romance
1: scenes, gosh darn it. What? Okay, give them some romance scenes.
0: Yeah. Like I want more like what they did with her in Guardian and in Detective. Because everything since then has been very flat, very hit or miss, and I just haven't enjoyed the character. Like if yeah. I'm gonna be flat out honest, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. And now that this book now that season eleven, and I don't know if you know understand, but now that the season eleven book itself is ending and they're going to be doing each arc as a mini series. I'm hoping that they keep more focus on Clark and Lois, specifically Clark, but I do hope that they give Lois a little more to do. So, how is that
1: working? Is that gonna? Are they gonna call it just Smallville?
0: Yeah, it's just gonna be Smallville. The first arc is called Alien, so the miniseries is entitled Smallville, Colon Alien.
1: So, is Brian gonna wrap up kid's story when the season eleven title goes away? Or is he just going to
0: the story, I believe, continues. I think it's still a continuous story. They said the status quo and the characters and all that, that's not changing. Just the title, title. that it won't be a constant monthly season 11 book. It'll be a mini series each time instead. I think that's how they're doing it. Okay. Which makes me a little nervous. I'll be honest, because it makes me wonder how much faith DC really still has in the book. Because I think at first they had a lot of faith in it. I mean, they gave it the season 11 special title as well. Right. I, I don't know how much faith they have in it right now anymore.
1: Go on, and it might be on the lowest thing. I I think Brian, honestly, with this, Brian does excellent work. I think Brian has a lot on his plate right now. And I think they should give him some help. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if he's willing to do that or if that's going to throw off what he has planned. But I think he's at the point where he comes needs like a brain trust or something
0: to help him out. Well, I think what they should do, and really, I think they should get some of the old Smallville writers back. Yeah, reach out to some of them. And have it not just be one guy writing the entire thing. Yeah. Have each person write a different arc. Like they did when they worked on the show.
1: Right. I don't know if they can afford doing that, but that's what I would do.
0: Well, and you know what? if you really can't continue the story anymore fine i don't i don't blame brian i don't even blame dc it's been around for over a decade at this point yeah and i don't blame them but at least then give brian a title a superman title
1: i agree because i would have him
0: take over action or superman from the death
1: or have him write something else yeah he might do good with something else. He might, yeah. Come I and have him do Arrow. Have him do, have him do Green Arrow. He might Well, be able to do well
0: that. I don't want Lemire off that book, so no, I don't sure. know about Green Arrow, but... Maybe, you
1: know, they wanted maybe Gail Simone. Cause they were talking about getting her off Batgirl. Maybe they put Brian on.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'd be up for that. I know he can do a heck of a Batgirl story. Right. So, you know, we'll see with that.
1: Back to this story, though, um, I did like General Lane's presence in this story. Yeah. Where Clark showed up, and he tried to help Wonder Woman, and they kind of ended the whole fight. And Bones basically wanted to arrest Wonder Woman, making the deal with her that, well, we're going to take you to your mother. We know where she is. Because Superman you know, wasn't going to allow it, and um, General Lane said, Clark, are you not super you need to know when you picked your battles. Can I think what he was doing there was he was looking out for Lois and Clark there as well. Yeah. You know, I, I felt like he was looking out for family in a way. And yeah. I really liked that moment. I thought that was a nice little moment there. Can it also makes me feel like he has something up his sleeve. Like he's going to give Lois something that they can use to help. Or maybe helps Martha Kent or something. Yeah. Which would be a nice little thing. Yep. So I, I think that's coming. Well, now. I think
0: Martha will have a hand in getting Diana out. Yes.
1: Now, Diana's mother is held captive by the DEO? Is that one I of am saying? I that's what they're
0: going at. I don't know if that's really true.
1: Okay. Because what I feel like happening, because she is wearing the Wonder Woman costume. What I feel like is going to happen is they're going to try to get her out. Something's going to happen. She's going to get killed. And then and then Diana's going to put on the outfit. And that's going to make her Wonder Woman.
0: That'd be interesting.
1: Or maybe they get her mother out. They get her back to Paradise Island. And she gives Diana the outfit. It's a more positive ending.
0: That would be a better ending, I think. Because I'm so sick of heroes' parents dying all the time. Yeah. Like it works with Superman if it's Doriel and Lara. And sometimes or Jonathan if, Kent. Sometimes if it's Jonathan Kent, On but this I would show it prefer, did work. I would I would always prefer the the parents of of Superman, Jonathan Martha Kent to be alive. I was I would always prefer right. not Hal Jordan's dad or Flash's mom, but I would always prefer Hippolyta to be alive.
1: Yeah, and she's normally alive in the comics, so maybe yeah. that's how it's going to go.
0: Yeah, let's hope so.
1: It could go either way. Um, I really wish they didn't have Linda Carter come on on that one episode because Chloe's mom because that would have been so awesome to have her play uh, Wonder Woman's mom. If this was a TV show episode,
0: well, you could still draw her like
1: Linda Carter. You could, but that would be awesome. Yeah, that I could just see the commercials for that. That would be amazing. Linda Carter is Wonder Woman's mother. Got a fresh Smallville. Oh my gosh! Oh, we got the WB. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know. Cause better one was the WB.
0: I think both networks are better. I agree. But hey, CW still produces pretty good content overall, so I'm not complaining. Right.
1: Well, they've improved greatly now that the new guy took over in Arrow came on. Yeah. And with that, we're going to talk about a new Smallville Season 11 issue Hollow Chapter 4 on the WB.
0: The Lexcourt Black Ops team that attacked never expected to face a heavily armed drone piloted by an infuriated Tess Mercer. Will she allow her humanity to resurface in time to keep this encounter less than lethal? Hollow, part four of four.
1: This episode felt like the last ten minutes of a smaller episode.
0: It didn't even feel like that because this is such a B story.
1: It was it was like Tess angry, she attacks Lex real quick. And she kinda went against it. Got Lex was like on the ground broken. Kinda just made him more evil. And I'll that's be... Smallville seasons three through five in a nutshell. Or seven <laughs> in a nutshell. <laughs> yes.
0: I'll be honest, I did not like this. The story. I, did, I didn't like Hollow, really. It was um, a
1: poor Lex episode of Smallville.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I and I do not like Cortessa. So when I wrote my review for Superman Homepage, and this hasn't been uh, released yet, but it will be this week, uh, I gave it a 2 out of 5.
1: I think altogether it would have been fine. But I don't know <sighs> I don't if know. it should have been spread... I, I don't think. It's I think ter- as you're reading Re- it as is a book,
0: like because this is just going to come out as one comic, right? Yeah, it'll, it'll, Hollow will, will all come out as one comic.
1: I think it. I think it, it reads. It'll read better, as A standalone, full, you know, twenty-two
0: page issue. Well, I don't disagree. I mean, I don't even think it's a badly written story. It's just a story I don't care about. Yeah. Because I don't care about Tess in this universe I, at all.
1: I I think the story is outstayed. It's welcome at this point. Yeah. I think you did what you needed to do with her. You're done. Can I, and I feel like they're feeling that they're forced to do this because of um, the, the way. Show. Well, everyone got bad. because the way she died, she did get a funeral. Yeah. But you didn't have time. No. Dude, that's not what people wanted to see when they turned into the episode. No. I'm sorry. I know it's offensive, but they probably had a funeral for her within the universe. It might have not been on the episode, per se, but I'm almost positive they had one off screen.
0: It's not like they just forgot about her the same way Lex forgot about his life. Right. Right.
1: And I don't think, even if season 11 started, and... And she stayed dead. I don't think Brian would have not mentioned her. I don't think this is gonna be like a Dark Knight situation where they can't say Joker. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well,
0: and that was ridiculous too. But regardless, right.
1: you know, and and with that, Nolan did what he felt he needed to do. And we got to respect that because it, it, you know, it was about someone who had passed away. So we're not gonna complain too much, but here, Tess, Cassidy Freeman's still alive, okay, getting parts on other shows. So it's okay if Tess is dead. Right. So, that's how I feel. I agree. Cause I would have been fine if this arc ended and Tess decided to shut down the program.
0: I kind of hoped that would be how it ended.
1: Yeah. Kind of interesting to see what her clothes are. That, yeah. Emile's gonna design for her. Right.
0: <laughs> Glad he's know. alive
1: though. I might add. Yes.
0: Because
1: that would have really ticked me off.
0: Yes. Yeah. But really though, overall, I just I just didn't care about this story. Okay, agree. It, it, hollow to me was very hollow. <laughs> nice. I mean,
1: really. Way to live up to that. Is that in the review? I hope it is.
0: It is. That's that's my last line in the actual yes. view of the story. I hope <laughs> that makes Steve Yuna smile. I hope so. It'll at least make Mark Mark Richard, uh, the guy who I co-write the smallville reviews with, it'll at least make him smile. Oh, good, good, good to know. Mark will definitely smile at that. Good,
1: good. I'm glad Mark has a sense of humor. All right, with that, I think it's time to move out to our closing. We've talked long enough about stuff, but you know what? This is great stuff to talk about. All of you need to check it out because it's good. got worth the money. Yes. Yes, exactly. Can okay, Beware the Batman. You don't really have to pay money. Well, unless you don't have a TV. But, you know, anyhow. Because it's not on demand yeah. if you have it. Um. And with that, we're going to the closing. And with that, Michael, would you like to tell us what's going to happen on our next fresh episode? of the dc nation podcast on the across the airwaves network
0: absolutely dan on the next episode of the dc nation podcast we will be covering more smallville season 11 with the next chapter of olympus as well as the next episode of the where the batman we'll also be having a section at least for this month of september giving you an update on what dc villains month titles are worth reading for that last week so, definitely, if you guys are up for that, definitely listen to what we have to say on the latest villains, because, well, that might depend on which ones you buy or not.
1: Right, exactly. So, basically, what we're going to do every week is just have kind of a quick section and say, these are the villains once that she's coming out. We've got Joker one, Clayface one, Pizarro one, and Doomsday one, and Joker's not really worth reading, because it doesn't have to do with anything, and... Bizarro is worth reading because that's fun. That's no, just kind of how we're going to handle
0: Bizarro. it. Don't read Bizarro. Or don't read Bizarro. Maybe that's a bad example. Bizarro was bad. <laughs> Action Comics with Cyborg Superman was good.
1: Yeah, read that. Or um, what's what's another one? Doomsday 1 sounds
0: interesting. Yes. So but do that that. One, Doomsday's not out yet, though. Right. And Dark also... Side. Dark Side was very good. I reviewed that one for homepage, the homepage.
1: And also, if you have time... After reading all those comics, you can check out our other podcasts. We've got It's Tangent Time. Okay, what does that do, Michael?
0: That is literally me and Wu just saying anything we want to say about anything we want to talk about. So we just recorded the newest one on Friday uh, on a bunch of stuff. Uh, X-Men, Spider-Man, Avengers, a bunch of stuff like that. I think we talked a little bit about Justice League and Batman Superman. I don't know. I don't remember. There's a lot we talked about, and a lot of it get, kind of gets mixed up between episodes because we talk about very similar things. So check that out. It was actually a really good episode. We had a good time, even though both of us were kind of sick of the time of recording. So bear with us, at least. So for the
1: de- or for the Marvel side of things, okay, guys check out Tangent Time this week? Because <laughs> we did kind of go there this week a little bit talking about it. So for more on that content, listen to It's Tangent Time. Yes. We also got our regular Cross the Warriors podcast. And across the airways right now. It's kind of on a hiatus. It's going to be coming back, not this week, but next week. As we're going to begin our coverage on Legend of Korra. But I also think New Girl starts back up on Fox, so Nico will be back to record that with us, because I know all of you guys have probably missed him. So ATA will be back with Nico, and then we will be adding more shows to our site of reviews over the next couple weeks as things begin to return from hiatus. Because speaking of things returning from hiatus, you're going to have more episodes of Logma Hunters, the Arrow podcast, coming your way very soon. Because Season 2 will start up, and that will mean Michael and Wu will be covering episodes of Arrow on a weekly basis when they come out and the new episodes are aired. So check that out. And if you're excited about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which we'll be preparing on ABC soon. On Tuesday nights, you can listen to the Hellicarrier podcast, which is hosted by Andy and a newcomer to our podcast, Chris Duker of the Comic Book Therapy website. Basically, they're going to be covering episodes of Joss Whedon's Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on a weekly basis, so check that out too. So If you're into Arrow, listen to the Arrow podcast. If you're into S.H.I.E.L.D., listen to the Helicarrier podcast. Okay, you've got all your TV covered with visiting to ATA as well. Also, we've got an affiliation to DC Entertainment Shop, which you can access by clicking the little DC logo located to the right of the Spotlight section on our website. And by clicking that, visiting the entertainment shop and buying something, you can help out ATA and get yourself a cool DC product, including Arrow Season 1, which should be coming out on Blu-ray and DVD soon. Because Also, I think you can buy some of these comics as well. So when you're buying comics, click that link, and you can help get yourself more DC Nation. Also, you can contact our podcast at a very, in a variety of ways by visiting our website at www.acrossthearwaves.com. There you can email us at what, Michael?
0: Acrossthearwaves at
1: gmail.com. Yes, that's across the airways. Got gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook. Come, You can like us on Facebook. You can get access to all the movie and TV news that Michael, Andy, Woo, Nico, and whoever finds out during the week. And you can also stay updated on our podcast episode releases. For that same content, you can find us where, Michael? At acrossairways.com. Well, also you can find us. Got our Twitter.
0: Well, yeah, you can do that. At Across Airwaves. <laughs> yes. Or on Google+. Plus. Yes.
1: Could Also, if you'd like, you can leave
0: us a voicemail. Can, what number can you call to do that, Michael? 1773-809-3363. Again, that is 1773-809-3363.
1: Can also, if you'd like, you can check out our new and improved um, YouTube channel, which basically... Um, contains a whole bunch of promos for T V show episodes that are coming out um, in the fall. It's so all the promos for all the new seasons of the shows that we cover are now available on our YouTube channel. Come um, we also have all the panels from Comic Con two thousand twelve, kind of two thousand and thirteen. Could also we've got a bunch of previews for upcoming movies coming out, including Hunger Games Catching Fire, Thor Two, Riddick. Got a bunch of other movies that are currently in theaters or coming out. So check that out From there. Also, if you're looking for our ATA promos and whatnot, we have on our site or our past News with Nico come YouTube videos. We had to remove them from our YouTube channel. Now they are all located on our website now at www.acrosstheairways.com You can access them underneath the Our Show section located on our website. Just right above the spotlight panel. Also, if you don't want to go back to this podcast for all the ways you can contact us, you can download our podcast box app, which will let you listen to our podcast and stay in contact with our podcast. Got kind of your iPad or iPhone. And for that same content, Come you can download our Android app on the Amazon Marketplace. And that will let you listen to our podcast kind on of your Android or Windows devices. If you own one of those. So once again, for our ATA core members, Nico Reifstech, Wu S. Kim, Andy Babacht, Chris Duker, I'm Dan Schmidt, and I'm Michael J. Petty. And until our next exciting, fresh episode, we will catch you on the airwaves. See you guys. Enjoy Forever Evil. And if you haven't read Trinity War, go check it out and read it. It's very enjoyable. See you guys.
0: Sweet Pandora!